Hi, friends. Welcome back to Tony Talks Therapy. Today we have got Lauren Martin on the podcast. I am really, really excited to have Lauren on. She is going to be talking with us today about RODBT, which is called, uh, which stands for Radically Open DBT. Lauren Ruth Martin is a licensed therapist and owner of Novel Counseling in Tennessee. She is a woo girl gone mild who roots for underdogs and perfectionists. Lauren specializes in chronic depression, unhelpful perfectionism, and burnout. Her goal is to help people declutter their lives with compassion in order to get unstuck. This year, Lauren plans to launch her second podcast and is currently booking keynotes and workshops for companies and organizations. You can find her current podcast, A Novel Life, on Apple and Spotify. Her Instagram is at Lauren Ruth Martin, where you can get links to everything. I'm really excited to bring this episode to you all. We have got links to a bunch of things in the show notes that she mentions in the episode. So let's dig in. Hi, Lauren. Thanks so much for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for you to be here today. We're going to talk about something that we haven't approached on the podcast before. So I'm really, uh, really stoked to have you here. All about new territories, just like forging different things. Exactly. Um, Before we dig in, I'm wondering if just like as a check in, like, how you doing? Like things are just (laughs) chaos in the world right now. Like, how are you? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, it went from nothing to everything all at once. So I'm out of Nashville and Uh for Nashville as a whole, people have been doing their own thing. That's a really polite way of saying not following the rules. Um, Even though I'm slightly rebellious, I am a rule follower. So I went from doing nothing to when the CDC basically said, if you're vaccinated, like you're good. To, it was all of a sudden everybody booked their weddings, their showers. We went and traveled to see family. We traveled to see friends. And so I'm equally enthralled to be around my people again, but I am so tired. Yes. <laughs> so I've, I've gone to bed early almost every night for the past month and nice. I've just required naps and yeah. so much caffeine. Yeah. We're doing so much more than we have for the last year, like more like social interaction and like moving to different locations than we have been. Um, Maybe emotionally, it's just a different type of experience, but like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's a lot. It's a sensory overload experience. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. I um, took my mask off just for like a few minutes in the grocery store this week, just to be like, what's this like? People are starting to do this. And I was like, oh my God. And then you don't realize what your mouth does. Like I've developed this habit of like motion. I know it's like we're on audio, but like motioning my mouth together yeah. while I'm thinking. Yeah. And now that I don't have the mask, <laughs> my mouth is doing some really ridiculous stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it is. It's going to be just this long adjustment period to a, after a long trauma and a trauma that's ongoing yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. Oof. And I almost think that that quick 180, I'll be honest, I think right now there's, at least for me personally, I'm, I'm a Enneagram seven. Mm-hmm. If that's like a thing you're into in Nashville, people like live by the Enneagram. Okay. Like it's just, it's fun for me. It's like a Cosmo quiz. I love it. Um, but I'm as like high on the extrovert scale as possible. And so right now I'm super excited about all the things to where, like when you said the like year long, beyond year long trauma, 
I've realized I've kind of blacked that out for a little bit and I have a feeling that come fall mm-hmm. it's gonna it's it's gonna come back and bite me in the butt some yeah 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 I think it can do that right like we're all so excited or not I shouldn't say all of us but many of us are so excited to do stuff again it's yeah. like I, I was listening to a podcast the other day talking about the rush to normalcy around yes. like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to go out to eat and see my friends and travel and do a vacation and see my family and like, okay, are we doing that at the expense of actually processing what just happened to us? Um, yeah. And can we make space for both, right? Can we hang out with friends and do things and travel again and also um, make some room to integrate? what's happened over the last more than a year. I mean, I hope so. Cause that's yeah. what I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like totally outing myself and saying this past month, I have like been drinking the like social Kool-Aid and, yep. <laughs> and I know, I know. And I think that's like where the fatigue is also in too, that maybe it's, um, I don't know if this is how you felt, but for me, I'm, I'm personally very sensitive to gaslighting. Mm-hmm. And so this past year with how um, everything was handled felt really gaslighty. And I yeah. think that's also where some of my fatigue is coming into mm-hmm. of not second guessing myself as much or actually feeling safer when I'm around other people that I know are Absolutely. okay to be around. Yeah. Yeah. Just being like, it's fine. Like it, it's fine. Right. Well, it's such a piece of healing after a trauma is being able to reorient to safety, right? Mm-hmm. Like when we've been in unsafety for a long time, which we have been and been gaslighted for a long time, yeah. it takes a while to reorient to reality and trusting yourself and feeling safe in relationship and in your environment. Like, yeah, it's going to take a while to recover from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, know was, I know that was meant to be a quick check-in, but now I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing as a quick check-in when you actually care about the answer. Right? <laughs> or, or when you're like, or when you actually take a step back and you're like, oh my gosh. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. When you actually dig into it, like, oh, that's where I'm at. I need to <laughs> maybe do something else. Well, thank you. And and I guess I'm wondering to sort of segue us into our, our topic for today, R-O-D-B-T, radically open DBT. I'm wondering, and I might just hold this as we talk, if there are skills within this type of therapy that might help us move yeah. back into anything like quote unquote normal, like we might've had before the pandemic. So I might just hold that as like something in the background of this conversation that Absolutely. we have today. Um, so can you tell us what RODBT, let's just start with what is it? Yeah. So yeah. the way that I explain this is typically, um, a lot of people that will tell you about RODBT will break it down this way. Um, so a lot of us know about what I call standard DBT. Yeah. It's not like SDBT. It's just DBT, but I call it standard DBT mm-hmm. and that, you know, Marshall Linehan, all that amazing jazz that's designed so if we imagine a spectrum of coping and temperaments there's under controlled which i'm under controlled so Mm -hmm. very like sensitive to reward very expressive um very i don't want to say loud but like it it's very present Mm -hmm. and a lot of dbt is that top down sort of processing like checking the facts um observe and describe 
you know, more so of like, how do I make sense of all of this feeling that I have and bring myself from a 10 to like a four? Yeah, yeah. And I'm just going to pause for a second and and remind people of the sort of four primary skill building parts of DBT. Um, They're mindfulness, distress tolerance, Mm -hmm. crisis survival, and interpersonal skills. I've got, am I remembering those right? Distress tolerance and um, crisis go together, and then there's emotion regulation. Emotion regulation, okay. Um, So those are sort of the four tenets of standard DBT. So that was developed by Marsha Linehan, who is actually a Seattle local. She's a UW person. Um, So we've got a lot of Marsha Linehan people out here. (laughs) Um, So those are the the main tenets of standard DBT. And you're saying that that's typically used for people who are that like under controlled temperament. Did I hear that right? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And, and, you know, if you think about it, it's the idea of, I feel everything so intensely. I express everything so intensely that gets in the way of my life worth living. Cause it mm-hmm. often pushes people away sort of thing. Yes. Either pushes people away or, you know, leads to like self-destructive behaviors. Y'all know the deal. So then what's happened over time was that, you know, if you think about CBT, even DBT, even though it has the mindfulness component, a lot of this push for self-control has been around psychology for, for years, and mm-hmm. there's still a place for that. But Dr. Tom Lynch, who was actually studied with or under Linehan, realized that there were a population of people that were chronically in treatment. They were the best clients. They did all the homework. You know, they did all the things, and yet they were still in really intensive treatment with these intensive symptoms. And he recognized that they fell on this other category of the spectrum with over-controlled coping and temperaments. Okay. So, like, with a lot of attention to detail, very low reward sensitivity, low expression. um, And I always get the four, all the the biosocial stuff mixed up. Mm -hmm. Essentially where what RODBT targets is that over-controlled coping and temperament because it's a bottom-up therapy. Okay. So if you think about people that will say, well, I don't really know what I feel because I don't really feel anything. So um, really numb, Mm -hmm. not as expressive. And I say this with love. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's like shoveling concrete. And the thing is you probably feel like concrete too, if you err on the over-controlled side, because you're just like so tight and like, always on alert. Um, I don't know how else. Oh, um, risk aversive. Risk aversive. Okay. Like, and so it's that idea of if we're doing more bottom up, um, and I'm trying to use my, my somatic trauma <laughs> lingo here. Um, but what we're trying to do is to increase the signal with people. So if we think about over-controlled okay. people, um, where the struggle is, is with connection because it's hard to ex- genuinely express emotion when you've numbed out so much. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes people that are over-controlled are extremely successful, but extremely lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel very different because they, they see the world in a different way. I mean, if you think about somebody with a lot of attention to detail, they miss the forest from the trees. Right that sort of thing. And so what we're trying to really target in RO is not only flexibility and thinking, which is very much like the sister treatment of ACT, but it's also about developing intimacy with other people Mm -hmm. and finding new ways to express and to go about things the way that we normally would. Mm -hmm. So like if you take one route to work every day and the same route every day, RO is about 
showing you, hey, there's different paths to get to where you want to go, even if they do take a little bit longer, because we get the idea that it's not okay to get to work at this time, or we, we start increasing curiosity about, curiosity about life and really challenging those rules and barriers that a lot of over-controlled people have put in place in order to do life. Yeah, yeah makes a lot of sense. I have a curiosity and this might be just my brain like seeing a category and wanting to put people in it, <laughs> which I think oh, is yeah. how a lot of our brains work and maybe is a signal on where in these temperamental categories I land. Um, but I'm curious about the overlap between these two because I'm sort of thinking yeah. about like, oh yeah, like I'm really expressive, but also can get super rigid about the way that I go about my life. And so I'm imagining, too, a lot of people listening to this might be thinking the same thing of like, oh, which one am yeah. I? <laughs> and I'm sure it's not like a right. clear dichotomy like that. But I wonder if, if you can you speak to that. Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just curious if you can sort of speak to sort of the potential overlap between these two ways of being. Absolutely. I mean, and here's it. There is going to be overlap because if you imagine it like a bell curve, mm-hmm. on the end of each side of the bell curve, you're going to have like where it is like you are 100% over-controlled coping and temperament like this is where you lean because it's so consistent right and then on the under controlled side you know again there's going to be that extreme of like yes you need to dial down that it's kind of obvious that you're there and then there's this whole range and in fact if we think about it both treatments are trying to push you towards the middle Mm -hmm. instead of to the other side okay yes and for a lot of people they may have that flexible range in the middle, but what's getting in the way for them may err on one of the other sides. And right. this is this goes more into like the anecdotal, at least for me being a practitioner, I, this is more anecdotal. I don't think that um, there, all of the research has been done on over-controlled coping and temperaments together. But what I've seen, at least in my experience, is that people with trauma that may have had um, under controlled temperaments, more expressive, more lively, and then they overcorrected to the over controlled mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. That can happen too. A lot of people with ADHD have real, especially women with ADHD, have these compensatory strategies that can look a little OCD ish. Um, and even OCD, you can still have OCD and fall into the under controlled side of things. So you have to think about. What, like when you're trying to choose a treatment, what exactly are you wanting to target? Um, you know, like what, what's going to make the most sense for you and where you, where you need to go in the context of your life. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm thinking about, uh, I have actually a specific client in mind right now thinking about how DBT skills have really reduced a lot of the reactivity and dysregulation and there's a lot less like moments of daily crisis happening. Um, And it feels like that those skills sort of are hitting a wall. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering now hearing this sort of context of it, like, oh, have we managed some of that, brought that under control back towards center, and now the over control is sort of more of the primary barrier to yeah. them feeling the amount of well-being they'd like to feel. So I will say, like, if you were to talk to somebody that's like purist by the book, RO, they would say RO is designed for over-controlled coping combined with over-controlled temperament. Okay. The 
the rebellious part of me. And, and it has been mentioned in the intensive trainings that if, um, that RO can be good stage two work okay. in yeah. DBT. Yeah. Or if you are seeing um, some people need to do ERP, exposure response prevention per- right. first. Some people need to do um, trauma therapy or EMDR or, you know, brain spotting. Some people do need to really work on that reactivity piece that you're talking right. about. And then if their baseline actually does air lanes more over controlled and that's that barrier or that wall, I don't see where RO couldn't hurt. Yeah. You know, it's the idea of just making sure that because there's a heavy emphasis in RO on social signaling okay, and how they communicate and um, how they interact with others, that interpersonal piece mm-hmm. that I think the full treatment would make sense for that. But if somebody is more so on the rigid thinking side or just needing to work on flexibility, maybe doing the skills class only makes sense. Right. In fact, there's some clinicians, I'm actually going to start doing this too, that um, there's a model for do, doing skills class where it's just about like one module's really emphasizing on the social signaling piece and then the other module's really emphasizing the um, openness and the flexible mindset okay. piece. Yeah. Because, and I think that's just like where this treatment's still fairly new. The manual came out in 2018. Okay. I did my intensive in 2016 where I had a PDF printed draft of the manual. Wow. So you were um, in on the ground floor of this. <laughs> I mean, and there were people before me, which yeah. is crazy. There's 20 years of research. But really, this this treatment's been out for less than a decade, like Uh out in the open, like outpatient providers really doing this. And so I think, you know, at least my experience in being an RO clinician is that we're we're still seeing how this works. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it be really good. I've seen people benefit just from skills class. I've seen people benefit from the full model. Yeah. Can you um, give us a little more detail around that, around skills, just a skills class or the full model? I know with standard DBT, it's typically weekly therapy, skills class Mm -hmm. and groups and homework. Um, Curious what the model looks like for full on RODBT and different variations in that. A lot of the mechanics are the same. So standard DBT and RO, a lot of the mechanics are the same. The... um, how you do it and what you target are very different. So you're still going to have a diary card. Mm -hmm. You're still going to have individual therapy. You're still going to have a skills class with homework and you're going to have specific targets that you identify in session Mm -hmm. that you're working on reducing and implementing the skills in that place. Right. Okay. So it takes a pretty similar form with individual group classes, Mm -hmm. homework. Okay. Can you speak to the different targets of RODBT? Um, and I'm wondering if it falls into similarly like standard DBT, like the modules or sort of what does this treatment actually look like for someone who's in it? Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing where standard DBT has those nice, neat four modules. Uh-huh. I'm kind of envious of that. Um, RO, the way that the skills book is structured, some people can, you can start, some people do an open class where you can start anytime. Some people work from beginning to end. Okay. But what essentially you're targeting is there's some work, not a ton of work, but there's some work around your thoughts, your private experiences, whether that's thoughts, um, sensations, feelings. There's what's going on between your two ears and in your body. Mm-hmm. 
that we're monitoring and beginning to question with curiosity. Like if I have the belief, um, I can't ask for help. We're not going to directly challenge that in a CBT way of like, well, is that rational? We're going to look at how does this thought serve me? You know, where did I get the idea right. that, um, that like I can't, that asking for help isn't allowed. Right. So we're trying to find possibilities. We're not always trying to find an answer. So that's through um, the process of self-inquiry. Mm-hmm. So we're beginning to gain an awareness and question simultaneously of what's going on inside of us. And then we connect it with what's called social signals. So mm-hmm. that could be a voice tone. That could be a posture. That could be, we all have like our catchphrases or our facial expressions. We all have things that we do um, that serve as our, as we call it an RO, our hunting dogs, shields, and swords that we bring to the village mm-hmm. in order to protect us from all of these unwanted experiences. Right. And so what we're trying to do is monitor those. And they hopefully change throughout the course of like treatment, um, whether that's, you know, RBF, you know, that flat face, you know, and so that for that person, they may monitor the tension that they carry in their jaw. And that might be related to, you know, I must protect myself. And then we pair it with a skill, one that we call the big three plus one, where you do eyebrow wags and you do a closed mouth smile and you're doing deep exhales and Mm -hmm. trying to show openness through your face because a lot of times we don't know like until we see how our our social signaling impacts others um we don't really realize how much we're masking right you know like i used to self-deprecate a lot and it was the social signal that i actually tracked to see when it would come up And I was doing um, just like a a clinical training. And I was like, y'all, I've become so, my tone and my voice has become so snarky and I'm Mm self-deprecating. And I realized it was in response to imposter syndrome. Yeah. And so I I did an RO, we call it outing ourselves. And I was like, hey, I'm aware that I'm appearing this way and I'm going to let you know what that's about. So if you found my, if y'all see me correcting, this is why. And I mean, it's a therapist talking to therapists. So like, you know, I could do therapy. (laughs) We're into it. They're like, yeah, Yeah. you know, but for our over, like for those that are doing full RO or even the skills class, you're, you're beginning to identify those things that you do, whether that's isolation, whether that's crossing your arms, Mm -hmm. whether that's saying no, when really you mean yes, or yes, when you really mean no, and really trying to increase the congruency of how we appear with how we are inside. I love that. Increased congruency with how we appear and how we feel inside. Yes. That feels a lot like, um, so I'm almost done with this sensory motor level two training, um, which one day I just need to do like a solo episode on what I'm learning from that training. But um, we talk a lot about, so the level two is all about developmental trauma and developmental injury. And so we talk a lot about what sensory motor calls adaptive strategies, that there are these ways that we organize our body to protect ourselves, to essentially survive the life that we've had up until this point that may or may not actually be getting us the connection that we want, 
right? So my my adaptive strategy is called sealing off. And so I tend to like close up and like be vulnerable, but not so vulnerable that like it feels unsafe. And like there's this whole, and there's a body organization that comes with mm -hmm. that. And there's some work in sensory motor to sort of soften or really every strategy sort of needs different things. Um, but there's those ways to be like, oh, this is not actually aligned with what I want or how I want yes. to be in my relationships. And so how can I help my body know that this is not necessary anymore? Um, mm -hmm. And it sounds like there's some overlap there with RODBT of, okay, so you're feeling this way, you're wanting connection, but you're putting up this wall or you're saying no, mm -hmm. or you've got resting bitch face or you're con constantly crossing your arms. Yes. Um, and so how can we bring attention to that way that you're closing off from the thing that you want? Um, yes. Or whatever the other strategies might be. So like, okay. and you just highlighted, so I actually, um, there's a, um, a case that I'm collaborating with the sensimotor therapist with, yeah. and it's so funny because we're finding so much overlap. Yeah. And so like what you were describing with the ceiling off, that can actually appear, well, it depends on how it presents. So underneath over control coping, we have two subtypes, agreeable or disagreeable. Mm -hmm. And so the more pushback type, which I think would be associated with the closing off that you're talking about, right. may look more disagreeable, especially if there's like the scowl and the mm -hmm. like, I'm too cool or the hmm, sort of, you know, slightly cynical or I'm fine, right, like right. voice tone. But then we have that agreeable side, which I forget because I have just enough knowledge on what the therapy you're talking about. But what's the one like where I don't know if it's like one about serving others or oh, client collapse might be the one uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like that agreeable side where it's like, oh, no, no, no. Like you do it. You're so much better than me. Right. Or, hey, you know what? It's fine. I'll clean up like you're fine. Go sit down, mm -hmm. kick your feet up. I can handle it. Yeah. And that it's like that very like you know, almost like dead eyes, like we, like Stepford wives, like we got this, I'll take care of it. I always go really Southern when I go agreeable. I actually just noticed it. I'm like, are you doing like, bless your heart. I'm from Virginia. So I know that yes. tone. <laughs> I know, you know when somebody's bullshitting me. Some, yes. And when somebody says, bless your heart, if you're from the South, like, you know, that that like, that's not oh, congruent. Yeah. It's not congruent. But if yeah. somebody's like, <laughs> Like, mm -mm, like I'm calling you out. Like that's congruent. And so yeah. that's like, we're trying to address those things. Right. It's, it's the exact, like I love, this is what I love about therapy and therapy models is that a lot of times, a lot, a lot of us are saying the same thing, but in different ways. Exactly. And those different approaches are so great because not everybody learns the same way. Mm -hmm. Not everybody thinks the same way. Not everybody talks the same way. And so it, it's like um, different languages for different words. You know, exactly. you're speaking French and I'm speaking Spanish. And at the end of the day, we're wanting the same thing for our clients. And that's to be connected and to be flexible. Exactly. Yes. It makes me think of the, what is the FACES acronym from, uh, I think it's Dan Siegel, flexible, adaptable. Um, I'm going to forget the rest of it now. <laughs> I, I know my mind's blanking. I'm like, because like, again, DBT and RO have so many acronyms. And I, I was like, the FACES acronym. I don't know what that was. It's Dan Siegel's. He's got, it's like this acronym around like the, 
best well-being or something. It's mm-hmm. spaces and it's systems that are flexible and adaptable. And then there's a C and E and an S and I can't remember what they are right now. Um, but I hear that flexibility really working in flexibility in RODBT that it's not like you are wrong for constantly crossing your arms in relationships. Right. It's just let's create some flexibility so that that's not the only response you have. Exactly, because in that, like, me crossing my arms in some situations, like, this is actually really comfortable for me. Yeah. And and that's what I love about RO2 is that we're not going to fix what's actually serving you. That's why, so we think about other therapies like acceptance and commitment therapy where you are always orienting towards values Mm -hmm. and the goals that align with that values. Same thing in RODBT. What are your valued goals? What relationships are you genuinely trying to work on? Let's start there. Because if you think about being a perfectionist and if you think about, mm-hmm. um, you know, being a high achiever, you want to change all the things at once. Yes. And what happens is that we change a lot of things. We don't like, I want an over-controlled person building my airplane. Yeah. I don't want an over-controlled person like being the DJ at my wedding, but I would for sure want them planning my wedding. Right. You yeah, know, it's like there's, neither there's of these. For all of us. Yeah, I I love that you're highlighting that. That like neither of these strategies and nothing in between are wrong or inherently bad. It's just about there are times where it might get in the way of your well being. It might get in the way of meaningful relationships, and in those places, we want to introduce more flexibility. Yes. Yes. I love that. I I just, and I I highlight that point because I see so often, and I think this is like by virtue of being a therapist on Instagram all the time, all of these posts where it's like, you have X problem if you have this list of symptoms and everybody in the comments is like, oh my God, it's totally me. How do I fix it? And I'm like, okay, hold on. (laughs) And I'm falling victim to it right now. I'm like trying to diagnose myself as over or under control. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Like there's a ton of space in the middle and neither of these are wrong and there's nothing to fix. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I always say that I'm an under controlled that was shaped into over controlled coping. Uh But again, like that, that's because Uh I've been able to, I'm able to pull from all of that. And like, I love Instagram and I love TikTok and that like, there's all these conversations going on. Actually, I say I love TikTok. I have a love hate relationship with TikTok. But you know, there's all of these things like where mental health is actually being discussed and I love it. Gosh, yes. And I'm going to say something that people probably don't believe. I use the DSM Mm -hmm. because I I use it and it's not the end all be all. Exactly. And at the end of the day, it's a collection of symptoms. And so if we look at the symptom and get to know that with curiosity, sure, it may fall in some of these categories and it helps to know what the driving factor is Mm -hmm. to guide your treatment. But a diagnosis isn't everything. And for some people, it can be a game changer. Exactly. So it's that whole thing of like, I'm a big dialectic person of both and, and I think that it's great for people. I, I like it sometimes too. Like, oh, like I'm an Enneagram seven. That explains so much about me. <laughs> but I also, I think where the whole, where all the education out about mental health comes out is that we're really quick to hold on to that, like a label. And exactly. I think that's a big thing for me yeah. that, um, you know, especially cause a lot of my clients have more long-term diagnoses, whether that's, you know, an enduring eating disorder, chronic depression, ADHD, bipolar disorder, like that's a thing that you have. Like it's a collection of Mm -hmm. symptoms that you have. It's not who you are. Yes. 
yeah, that we diagnoses or even um, categories and things like this or like a personality, you know, I'm an INFJ in the Myers-Briggs and I like super identify with that. But if I were to take it and get a different result, or if there's a part of me that's not totally congruent with that personality type, like that's okay. Um, yeah. And so I love that both and of these labels or diagnoses can be really valuable because they can help us get curious about things that might we might want to shift and guide the support that we might seek. And also, mm-hmm. it's not the end all be all of who you are. Right. Yeah, and that's why I, like, broke down some of that stuff about RO because, mm-hmm. it, again, if you talk to an RO purist, like, what we want is people that go into RO for them to really respond well to it. And so that's, right. like, where if you have the over-controlled temperament and the coping, that's going to be an ideal treatment for you. And it may work for – I've seen it work for other people, and that's the nuance of being a therapist is yes. that we're equally artists and technicians at the same time. Yeah. We are. Yeah. And the studies are done with the person who is like perfectly fits the mold of the thing that the treatment is trying to measure because they have to, right? It has to be very controlled and specific. But then in the real world, it's like how many of our clients are like the client that would get accepted into the study for this particular type of treatment? Like, I don't know. Um, And I'm not going to not see somebody be like, oh, you don't like there's there's my scope of practice, but it's like, "Mm, you can't do this. Right. Um, so I'm curious about what are the typical sort of, I hate to use the word outcomes because I, I just have like an aversion to that way of talking about therapy, but what are the, what are the thing, the changes that people might expect to encounter in going through RODBT therapy? So, and I'm laughing because it's like, uh, well, expect to fail more uh-huh. because you're going to be experimenting expect to have more conflict because you're actually going to be saying how you feel expect um expect to be taking more risk because you're you know you're trying new things and at the other end of that there is more flexibility there is more intimacy in relationships um there's grieving expectations that maybe you don't need anymore i've had to do so much grief work around expectations for myself personally Mm -hmm. and that's been super painful expect to feel more and to and to not get so engrossed in the feeling but noticing when stuff comes up you're going to be more aware of like oh that's that imposter syndrome coming up or oh that's that not wanting to ask for help things it's more so about awareness um and i position it that way Mm -hmm. because and again this is just who i am as a clinician I'm a big person about symptom management. And also if you're wanting the therapy that's going to make you happy or feel better as in feeling nothing, Mm -hmm. then this isn't it. Yeah. Cause feeling nothing, feeling better, quote unquote, is like, what, what are we actually saying when we mean that? Right. Yeah. I feel happy all the time or I don't want to have all these feelings. Like you're not going to get that as a human. I love the way you put it. And I'm like, jotting this down because I think it's beautiful and I'm going to tell you Lauren like make this an Instagram post <laughs> like <laughs> will, ex- you, will you type it up send me a picture yes. <laughs> expect more failure risk and conflict but then also on the other hand on the same hand expect more connection feeling self-knowledge like whoa when and you're re- living a life without rules exactly that sounds amazing I'm down I'm down um so how might people know or guess that RODBT might be the 
a good sort of therapy for them to search for? Because I know this is one that's not super well known. Even me as a therapist, like I knew this existed, but didn't really know much about it until we were talking today. This is a lot of new information for me. Um, and so I'm curious for people who are listening and maybe thinking about going to therapy or already in therapy and maybe looking to shift it up a little bit. Um, what might you say to those people who might be interested in this or who might be yeah. a, a good candidate for this type of therapy? So I would say start the, the website for the treatment is radicallyopen.net. Okay. And there's a lot of information both for practitioners if you're interested in getting trained in it and also those that may want to be a consumer of the treatment. There's blogs that really um, come from the over-controlled person's point of view. Mm -hmm. A lot of the senior clinicians or those that contribute are (laughs) over-controlled, and so they speak on their own experience. Um, In fact, some of the, and you'll see, like, under the, like, different, like the senior clinician team and all of that. If you're on the website, I know that Hope Arnold, who runs the Instagram account, R-O-D-B-T Denver, I know that she had a blog going on like Psych Central or something like that. Um, and, you know, there's a, a, a fair amount of us clinicians that have Instagram accounts. So if you just go under the hashtag R-O-D-B-T, that's also a good, that's a, that's a good way to get, a feel mm-hmm. for what the treatment addresses. Right. Radicallyopen.net is going to have more of like your, all the journal articles, like where the treatment's been published. It's going to have um, a descriptor. It's going to go more into detail around like who this treatment is designed for. Gotcha. Like typical diagnoses will be um, anorexia nervosa, um, social anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. um, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, some autism spectrum disorders, okay. um, and uh, treatment resistant depression. Those okay. are your typical. That's what the the book will say. This is what it's designed for. Right. Um, however, if we think about coping and temperament, that's transdiagnostic. Right. And and so I don't want to limit it just to diagnoses, but I think just starting there, going to the radically open website because there's also a therapist directory. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if every clinician does this, um, but a lot of us, especially like within the state, if you go to your state and you email an RO clinician and if they can't, you know, fit you in, then they can at least see who else mm-hmm. is doing it. Cause a lot of people are doing the online training throughout this year and they're just waiting to complete it. Right. Um, you know, so I mean, there it's, you're right. It's a newer treatment. And, um, a lot of us are, are trying to put as much information about that as possible. Yes. Um, on my website, novelcounseling.com, uh, I think at the bottom of my, at the bottom of my website, all of the podcasts that I've been on, there's a playlist. Oh, great. And then my podcast, A Novel Life, has a lot of RO influence in it too. And you'll see in the um, descriptions, like what, if there's a specific RO skill that I go over. Um, oh, and great. even on YouTube, there's a person that has done like, breakdowns of each skill like they've just done like many classes on each skills I mean that's why I love the internet yes me too um if you could teach so we've got a few minutes um I'm gonna ask you 
two more questions. One, which could be an entire another podcast episode. Um, <laughs> wondering if you could teach us maybe one or two of the sort of skills someone might learn in Radically Open DBT if you've got like a one minute skills review. <laughs> yes. All right. So my one of my favorites, I always say this at the start of class to like where my class members make fun of me. I'm like, this is my favorite skill. Yeah. Um, so this is lesson eight. It's called the sage skill okay. and it's about shame, embarrassment, and self-conscious emotions okay. because we all experience shame. In fact, as humans, we will do anything to avoid feeling shame. And if we think about it, guilt as an internal experience is anticipation of shame and disconnection. Mm. And so with the sage acronym, um, the first thing you do with the S is you're going to do self-inquiry. So you're going to get curious and you're also going to determine if your shame is warranted or unwarranted. Mm -hmm. And if you have the skills book or the worksheet, you get a little Cosmo quiz that right. basically calls you out on whether your shame is warranted or unwarranted. I love that. And I love it. So then once you determine if it's warranted or unwarranted, um, so the way that the skills broken down, the S is about self-inquiry. And then the E is about showing embarrassment okay. because even if your shame is a little bit unwarranted, you're still going to show embarrassment in order to, because shame is pro-social. Right. So you're kind of like, oh, you know, I stepped on your foot. Like, sorry. Right. But that A or the G, you're going to choose which one you do. Okay. So you're either doing S-A-E or S-G-E. Gotcha. A is about appeasing. Mm -hmm. And in the book, we actually talk about what it means to show appeasement. And so like, I'm like, I'll describe it like I'm, I'm doing open hands and I'm shrugging and I'm tilting my head to the sun because that's a non, that's an appeasement gesture. Right, right. And you're softening your face, but you're also not falling on the sword. Right. So you're appeasing with confidence. Mm -hmm. And and then it goes into more um, detail as to like what you can do or say to make that appeasement. Okay. And then with going opposite to unwarranted shame, we're going to have our shoulders up and we're going to be more confident. We're not going to apologize. We may show embarrassment of like, hey, stepped on your foot. Have a good day. Right. You know, but we're not going to be like, oh, my God, we're not going to. Over oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah. And it, especially for us as women, if we could just take I'm sorry out of our vocabulary, that'd be fabulous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but even replacing it with thank you, or mm -hmm. like, thank you for letting me know I stepped on your foot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So is that and the G? That's G, it's going opposite because going you're opposite. showing embarrassment okay. that you did it, but you're yes. not you're not appeasing. You're just saying, Hey, thank you for letting me know. Yes. Because what you you're not you're gonna act as if you didn't do anything wrong because you didn't do anything wrong. Right. Right. We're going to step on somebody's foot at some point. Yeah. You know, we're not going to leave the door open for someone. Like, right. It's fine. Oh, the sage skill. I love that. Now I'm going to hop yeah. onto the RODBT website and look up all the skills because these sound so <laughs> awesome. So I love this. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we really could do a whole nother episode on this type of treatment. So we might have to have you back. Um, but let us know where we can find you, your website, social media, anywhere else, any other stuff that you're doing that you, that where people can learn more <laughs> from you. Tell us all of it. All right. So Instagram is at Lauren Ruth Martin. Um, novelcounseling.com is my therapy website. This summer I'm launching, the Lauren Ruth Martin, it sounds so cheesy, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm launching my own brand, yes. um, 
which will be e-courses. Um, I do speaking. So if you want it, not just about RO, but about burnout, um, pandemic reentry, I love doing talks um, and I tailor it to whatever group I do a talk with. So I'm booking keynotes. And so through that website, you'll be able to do it and you'll have access to all the content like this. Um, so just like a quick little reference. Um, and then my podcast is called A Novel Life. So that's very much associated with the therapy practice and the therapy models I practice from. It's almost like a quarantine diary too, because I was just sharing bits about my life every yes. week. And so it's just, that's going to stay its own little thing. Cause that was like my, my, my COVID project. Yes. And then I'm launching another podcast this summer. That's going to be an interview based, some solo episodes that um, I'm really excited about too. Yeah. Does that have a title The name yet? isn't done yet. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to land on one. I thought for like weeks about renaming this or not renaming this or like, gosh, it's my name. And like, oh my gosh, it's a whole thing to name a podcast. It's, and it's like one of those things, like we don't, they don't teach us this in grad school. Like, Hey, you're going to have a, you can come up with a brand. And I used to be in radio. So I love this sort of stuff, but I never want to like seem uh, for lack of a better word, douchey about it. Right. <laughs> you want to be a good marketer, but not an annoying one. And like, right. yeah, we don't learn any of that shit in school, which no. there's a whole nother podcast I'll do marketing for therapists. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I will uh, tag and put all of those websites in your Instagram handle at Lauren Ruth Martin. I'll put that all in the show notes and um, so people can learn more from you. But thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciated this talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I could talk about this all day. So okay. I'm down for a part two. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Phew, that was so interesting to learn about. I, like I said to Lauren, really didn't know a lot about this specific therapy modality going into this episode. So I feel like I just learned a ton. I hope you learned a ton. I know I'm going to be researching a bunch of these RODBT skills on the website she mentioned, radicallyopen.net, um, and learning a lot more about this, this type of therapy. It's really wonderful. Seems like it has a lot of overlap with a lot of other types of therapy. Um, so if it is a type of therapy that really resonated with you or feels like it would be useful for you or someone that you know, um, encourage you to check out an RODBT therapist in your area and try to get yourself scheduled. Um, you can find Lauren at Lauren Ruth Martin on Instagram, novelcounseling.com. Her podcast is called A Novel Life. Um, I hope you go follow her, learn more from her. She's such a wealth of knowledge. Uh, we may have to have her on, like we mentioned again, for a skills episode talking a little bit more about some of these RODBT skills that I think could be useful for all of us. Um, so really grateful for Lauren for coming on. All right. That's it for today. I am excited for you all to be listening. Thank you again so much for being here. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review, share this on Instagram and social media, tag me in it. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Tony Talks Therapy. We'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you.